0: Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. And today our subject is autism or autism spectrum disorder. Now, it refers to a broad range of conditions that are characterized by by challenges with, with social skills, repetitive behaviors, uh, speech problems, even nonverbal communication. And we know that there is not just one autism, but actually many subtypes. And each person with autism can have unique effects An estimated one in 54 children. And surprisingly enough, at least I thought it was surprising, it's far more common in boys in fact, four to one. And I know that there are a lot of numerous studies going on to find out why that's the case. We also know from studies that medical marijuana extracts appear to help children with autism. And what it does, it, it, it seems to reduce their, their what we call disruptive behavior and often improving that was reported in 2019. And that report, HC, they actually experienced a significant improvement in their symptoms as compared to a uh, control group that was given a placebo. Now, similar research has been done in Europe as well as here in the United States, where, in fact, the FDA has medicine for epilepsy, which is called Epidiolex, yet for reasons best known to a lot of politicians, Approving medical cannabis for children with autism is still not happening in many states. Now, with the recent approval of medical marijuana in Alabama, and apparently a lot of people were surprised about that because it's a pretty conservative state, there are now fully 36 U.S. states with legal medical cannabis. And we know that each state individually decides which conditions or illnesses qualified to be treated with medical marijuana. And one would think that in, in view of so much research out there and good research, autism would be on every single list in all of those states. But unfortunately, you would be wrong. Why? That's a good question. We've asked Tiffany Carwile, who is the director of the Autism Alliance of Ohio. She's an advocate, she's a journalist, and perhaps most importantly, the mother of an autistic son. Tiffany Carweil, welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley, how are you today?
1: I'm I'm okay. Thank you so much for having me on. It's it's an honor to speak with you.
0: About a year and a half ago, or maybe even longer than that, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot to tell us what's going on. But, you know, you've been an advocate for the use of medical marijuana for children with autism. Uh, You you've written about it. You appeared on television, and you traveled to the uh, Ohio State Capitol to speak with uh, your state representatives. Yet, time and again autism is excluded as as one of the long list of qualifying conditions for medical marijuana. It bothers me. I'm sure it's bothering you terribly. How many times has the Ohio Medical Board been considering adding autism spectrum disorder to the list of approved conditions for medical marijuana? Or more importantly, Tiffany, why aren't they approving it? That
1: is a question that I ask myself constantly. Um, This would be the third year that I've petitioned against the Ohio State Medical Board. Um, And their reasoning for denial every year is the lack of evidence, they cite lack of evidence, but with Alabama being the most recent state to legalize medical cannabis and include autism as a qualifying condition, that brings the precedence to 28 states that allow medical cannabis for autism spectrum disorder precedents in legal states would cease to exist if the evidence was not there so i feel like they're using a lot of scapegoat old-timey retorts saying not enough that's the tale as old as time there's not enough evidence for medical cannabis that's even before we talked about pediatric cannabis ever just medical cannabis in general utilization of it there's not enough evidence there's not enough evidence that was always the scapegoat reason in, in almost every state to deny or stunt legislation to put forth, you know, progressive programs in in other states aside from Ohio. That is one reason that they've given. Another is that they're hesitant on permitting pediatric usage for autism spectrum disorder to become a qualifying condition, when the ironic thing is, is there's 22 qualifying conditions in Ohio right now, currently. There are no restrictions on pediatric usage for any other condition listed, but yet still they hesitate. For just autism, why is why are our kids the exception to the rule when 10 out of the 22 qualifying conditions are comorbidities of autism? And what that means is they're conditions that coincide very closely. Sister conditions, if you will, things like encolepathy, seizures, epilepsy, traumatic brain injury, PTSD, Crohn's, colitis, IBS, those are all very common conditions that come with the territory of autism. If Almost half of the list of qualifying conditions are comorbidities of autism and allow pediatric usage. Why such hesitation? And why only for our kids? That's what I keep asking the medical board, and it's it's extremely disheartening uh, to have them indulge the, to turn it down at the very end. And a lot of uh, a lot of big entities that have big play in in the pharmaceutical industry have a hand in this nationwide children's hospital um, urges the medical board every year and I'm as I reached out to all 132 general assembly members, um, which are state legislators and I wrote them, telling them the tale of what I've been going through, I even sent them the evidence that I have submitted to our state. Uh, showing the credibility behind my argument, and through that came the fruition of what used to be known as House Bill 641, is now known as House Bill, um, I'm sorry, House Bill 60. Um, It's gotten changed, it it was introduced last year um, as House Bill 641, and then COVID hit, so the legislation got tabled, and I didn't even know if it was an endemic, but thankfully, this last February, we were able to reintroduce this legislation. And despite the medical board's resistance, we are pushing forward to go around them. And now I have a bevy of legislators behind me backing this bill, which is very surprising to me. I didn't expect to see the wealth of support that this is seeing. I'm seeing support across the aisle at this point. We have 15 co-sponsors and two sole sponsors that's incredible for such controversial legislation. You're not just talking about medical cannabis legislation, you're talking about medical cannabis children, and not just children, special needs children. So it's been very disheartening to deal with the medical board, but at the same time, I feel so much gratitude right now because I am in such a better, I feel more confident taking this to the floor of the General Assembly than I ever did to the Ohio Medical Board. And that's the sad truth in Ohio is that's who we have to go through To get conditions to become and autism isn't the only condition to be treated with such scrutiny
0: what other conditions are are treated with scrutiny
1: anxiety opioid use disorder um most conditions that get put forth to the board if it's a if it's a broad condition like um say like somebody wanted to apply for something like nausea they won't allow things like that because that's too broad to them so they're very um they have a gold standard what I like to call it, as to what they will put forth or even consider to be a qualifying condition. They actually coupled um, autism this year with another petition that wasn't even the same condition. It was um, anxiety uh, with agoraphobia and autism got coupled together, which I feel like discredits both conditions entirely, because technically agoraphobia is a separate condition in itself anxiety is a separate condition in itself. And so is autism to bunch these conditions together discredits the singularity of each individual diagnosis and what these individuals have to deal with and live with. It discounts these, these patients, these people. And I feel like that is disgusting.
0: In my opinion. I want, I wanted to ask you, well, two kinds of uh, questions. One is, uh, are there more Republicans against this or is it, uh, uh, you know, yeah, both sides of the aisle, Are Republicans or Democrats, what's going on there? Is we it a political have, kind of situation, you think?
1: Um, it's it's very, um, we have support across the aisle. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie, and more than Democratic support, which is kind of shocking because the very first legislator I got on board was Representative Juanita Brent. Shout out to her because she was the only person in the General Assembly who would listen to me when almost everybody just wouldn't give me the time of day at first, even when I approached the legislature. Um, she, and she's she's a Democrat uh, in the House of Representatives, uh, District 12, and she was the first person to take me seriously and say, no, this needs to become law. We need to do something about this. The medical board is clearly, um, almost abusing their power um, in senses, because one of the first reasons, the first year that I petitioned the board that they gave uh, for denying access was the fact that they didn't have the authority to remove a condition once it's added, meaning that they don't have the authority to play God and say one day, oh, well, we don't feel like there's enough credible evidence for this condition. In our opinion, it's no longer a qualifying condition or they didn't have the authority to restrict pediatric usage amongst permitting new qualifying conditions to be added. So that that was the first person that I got on board was Juanita Brent. And the two sole sponsors that we have are Juanita Brent and Bill Seitz. He's a Republican, she's a Democrat. We right now we actually have more Republican sponsorship support, Um, but we also have a wealth of of democratic support as well. Um, We haven't been able to present this to the entire house or the entire Senate yet. We have had three hearings in the health committee so far. Uh, first was in February, second was in March, and the last one was just on May 11th. Uh, the first hearing was introducing the bill. The second hearing was the proponent uh, test uh, testimonies where I went and testified at the state house. And then the third was the opponent testimony. We had a wealth of proponent testimonies come in from every everyday citizens to medical experts, to everyone in between pouring out their support for this legislation the silver lining here is is actually the okay the last hearing that house bill 60 heckle board had a meeting on may 11th at the health committee meeting was that was the opponent testimony the first like i said the first hearing was to introduce second was proponent third is opponent nobody showed up to testify against this bill And and the opponent testimony, for people who don't know, opponent is people who don't want this bill to pass. Proponent are people who do want this bill to pass. They give separate hearings for everyone to come in and say their piece on the matter. The committee decides whether or not to push the legislation forward or to shut it down. Um, No opponents came in to testify against and no written submission was given to the health committee in opposition either. So literally zero opposition from Anyone at this point, which I'm shocked because Nationwide
0: Children's Hospital has been so adamant about shutting down my petitions. The pharmaceutical issue with the companies behind it. I mean, what's going on there?
1: Nationwide Children's Hospital opposes because they fear cognitive function decline, obesity, social engagement decline, long term impact on concentration and problem solving. in problem solving skills. Those are the reasonings for to give to the medical board to oppose this petition um, that I've put forth. And and granted, they, they also cite lack of evidence. The first year I submitted, I submitted 500 pages. The second year I submitted 560 pages. The third year I submitted 750 pages of evidence. They still say there is not enough evidence somehow, some way. The ironic thing about Nationwide is every single fear that they have um, emerging in those, you know, diagnosed with autism who would be treated with medical cannabis are all actually happening. Real life side effects happening from the pharmaceutical pills that our kids are allotted in gross amounts and off-label untested combinations. Things like cognitive function de- decline. Atypical antipsychotics have been proven in documented clinical trials and studies showing that that brain shrinkage occurs when atypical antipsychotics are administered to our kids. Like Abilify and Risperidone, which are the two only two FDA approved medications for those diagnosed with autism. And those are actually antipsychotics. Our children are not, are not psychotic, they're autistic. These, these pills that they're giving our children, every single would be, could be fear that nationwide and Cincinnati Children is putting forth to the medical board, and the same rhetoric that the medical board is pushing to the to the masses, to to the you know to the citizens and civilians, and their their has their reasons for hesitation is they're backing all of this. They're backing what nationwide their nationwide fears and Cincinnati Children's uh, fears. Um, But literally all of those things are occurring from pharmaceuticals, not from cannabis. If you actually were to pour over the data from the clinical, you'll find things like cognitive function improvement, developments of speech, higher retention, like actual cognitive improvements and children are becoming more aware they're becoming more calm they're sleeping better their rage is improving they're seeing nothing but improvements 80 percent of parents in reported improvements in their child of roughly up to like 70 or 80 percent of core symptom improvement we're not seeing that with our kids with pharmaceutical pills we're seeing brain shrinkage and breast development and seizures and all different kinds of crazy side effects that are actually killing our children.
0: Now, these representatives out there, you're, you're in this, you know, your Senate and, and Congress, have they ever talked with any of these kids uh, so they can see what's going on? Is there any, you know, any face-to-face so that maybe they, they can understand more what's going on?
1: That's, I guess, where I come in a lot is because I. it's hard for us to go out and like, share our stories. I've had a lot of families, like, write testimonies and stuff, but to do what I do and to literally open the most vulnerable wounds of our lives and talk about things that we'd rather not share with the world, how our children suffer, um, and the things that they go through, it's extremely hard, so parents are becoming more brave in Ohio and are reaching out more, um, to say that people are stepping out in a face-to-face manner, not yet, not exactly quite yet, that's been more me, um, I, as you know, I've been all over everywhere telling my story, sharing my son's story and how, how pharmaceuticals impacted my son. Pharmaceuticals developed seizures in my son, convulsive seizures in my son. My son never had a history of convulsive seizures before he was prescribed pharmaceuticals that did immense damage to him. So through my advocacy, my bravery, I've been able to see more families step forward. Um, I'm hoping more will come, will come forth and maybe, maybe physically speak out in person, but I can't say that I I don't understand why they don't. I don't do this because I want to. I do this because I have to. Because if I don't show my face and my son's face and share his story and our story, then this legislation will continue to just be swept under the rug until people can actually appropriate a story and a face to the actually um, calling House Bill 60, Jackson's bill which is my son's name my son's name's Jackson and that's just that's crazy to me to think that it's it's went this far that it's had to go this far that i've had to literally share stories about my son self-injuring and going into seizures and what we went through with pharmaceuticals and the lasting impact they had on my child it's heartbreaking i don't wish that on anyone honestly it's
0: are, are, are the parents embarrassed? Is that why they they don't want to come forth? Uh, I, I, I don't yeah. understand why parents wouldn't want to do that. Do, can well, you figure I, that out? I, I,
1: I know because I've had CPS show up at my door for doing what I do, even for talking about medical cannabis or talking about it, you know, at the doctor's office because my son has qualifying conditions. I live in rural Northwest Ohio, to where even where it's a legal program in our state and pediatrics are about it. I understand why parents are scared. Like it's not that we're ashamed of our kids or we're embarrassed or anything like that. It's quite the opposite. We're trying to protect our kids. Like we're combating a system that is built against us that is built to almost like watch us fail. And it's, it's hard, <laughs> it's really hard. And I I understand why. Because like I said, this is not easy, it's not easy. But I do have a lot of people who write and call and send emails, parents especially. It's so hard, like I said, it's so hard for me to get up and show my face and show my, cause that's, I'm putting myself directly in the crosshairs of controversy and we're parents, you know what I mean? Like, thankfully the case with my son when unsubstantial um, accused me of, of medical abuse for, for what I'm doing, like, you know, so who said I said
0: that, who did that to you?
1: The hospitals. Um, because I talked about m- my son was hospitalized at the end of 2019 for some severe GI issues. Like I said, um, again, those are comorbidities that are qualifying conditions in Ohio, things like IBS, Crohn's, colitis. Well, my son has history with Crohn's and he was hospitalized for it. And the medications that they put my son on, um, indul- it, ensued seizures in him. He started to develop convulsive seizures. Uh, and then their next step wasn't to change up what they were doing treatment-wise at all. It was to administer anti-convulsants. They wanted to give my son benzos, Klonopin, for a five-year-old. My son was five years old at the time. Klonopin, if anyone who's listening doesn't know about Klonopin, it is an extremely dangerous and addictive benzo. Um, Benzos are quietly becoming the new opioid crisis. They have killed upwards of 12,000 people between 1999 and 2017 alone. Never mind the about five-year, you know, time gap. Five years old at the time. We are unknowingly breeding new generations of addicts and medically fragile children like my son. Not only that, the those medications made my son angry and self-injurious in. He was it took my son away from me he was not my son anymore he was never happy he always cried he didn't want to eat he absolutely hated taking the medications that he had the, the doctor said he had to be on and when i tried to take him off of those medications they tried to come after me
0: because how did, I, they, do that? Uh, how did they do that when you, you when you say they came after you
1: Well, be with cps because i wanted to opt for medical cannabis instead so they sent CPS to my door because I was weaning my son off of the medications that they, that they had him on. And when he was in the hospital, I was literally backed into a corner. What was I supposed to do? They wouldn't give him anything else. My son was non-responsive. He wouldn't move. He couldn't do anything. I had no choice, but to give him those medications at the time, but he had qualifying conditions and I was fighting for him to become a medical cannabis patient instead. Of being on those pills because cannabis could help with every single thing that he was suffering from. And that made me, att- I went against the white coats.
0: Wow. You have a story there. That's quite incredible. Um, tell us, uh, about, uh, your, your organization, Aut- Autism Alliance of Ohio. Um, are you, are you, um, linked with other organizations such as mothers advocating medical Marijuana? Because I know there, there are other national groups out there. Uh, Did you have any kind of alliance? Because maybe uh with 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 more people coming together, you become even stronger.
1: Um, I was actually the state chapter director for Ohio Mama for that's where I started out at actually. And eventually they kind of almost disbanded so much they didn't really do, and I don't want to speak ill of anyone or anything, but they didn't do very much. They they couldn't help much in Ohio as they could with other states in the past so they kind of almost disbanded and now they're more of like a directional um source to where if somebody wants to petition in their state they give them the resources to do so. So I had already founded the Autism Alliance of Ohio at the time so I and what the Autism Alliance of Ohio is, is we are a grassroots education uh, group that helps direct parents in um certain areas of the state to resources that will help benefit them their family and their child also, we, um, we push for progressive progressive new treatment options like medical cannabis uh, because conventional therapies have, have often failed most of our children and our families and our children are, are becoming the forgotten ones. They're becoming left behind. So... I had already found the autism, founded the Autism Alliance of Ohio. So I just continued my course of advocacy solely through uh, my education group. And honestly, that's what I was doing before with Mama was educating. So all I'm doing is continuing the course that I've been on just under a different name. I still hope and wish that they all, all are, excuse me, are all doing well. Um, but we're all in different states, you know what I mean? It's really hard to kind of navigate a lot. I mean, I do have other resources and and, uh, groups that I have aligned with, a lot of the groups that I align with and I try to align with are Ohio focused because it's as much, I do get assistance from people in other states who write like, you know, uh, doctors who will write like letters of support and, and such, an, you know, such things like that. However, it's so much um, more potent to have a big force in your state. And right now what I'm doing is I'm almost growing like an army of, of attached attached uh, organizations through various cannabis and other advocacy avenues as well, all across the state and beyond, who are coming in force to help support this legislation. I have over 8,000 signatures right now on a change.org petition. I have people regularly calling legislators and sending emails it's, it's become quite the movement, honestly. And like the first couple years I started this, I felt like I was talking to a wall. Nobody wanted to take the time of day to speak with, with me about the science behind cannabis for autism, about anything that I was doing. People kind of treated me like a crazy autism mom. And now I have people reaching out to me to interview me. And it's, it's very, um, surreal still at this point, but I'm so happy to finally see the credit, not due for me, but due to this cause that it's getting finally. This has never been about me or my son. There are 44,000 children diagnosed with autism in my state. I will say that again. There are 44,000 children diagnosed with autism in my state. Never mind the overlooked ones or the undiagnosed or the misdiagnosed or the ones that haven't been counted into that statistical bracket yet. So many families are depending on this. So that alone is enough for me to keep fighting and keep pushing forward. I mean, failure, I guess, has never been an option for me, no matter how many times I've been told no or not listened to. And here I am today with legislation getting pushed forward. And it's just it's, it's very it's very surreal like i said but it's also you know it gives me the fire to keep pushing that much harder because honestly this is still far from over it's there's no time to get comfortable in these situations just because you know we're in a better spot than we were before doesn't mean that this still isn't a battle we still have to get through the senate and the house into the governor's desk so if anyone listening wants to help this movement and help push forward this legislation it's house bill 60 in ohio Please reach out to rep12 at ohiohouse.gov. I will say that again rep12 at ohiohouse.gov. That is Juanita Brent. She is the main sponsor on this bill. She's a sweetheart. She's been a champion for, gosh, over a year in the statehouse with me pushing for this legislation to get the recognition it deserves. Please send her an email saying that you support House Bill 60. If you have, if you live in a legal state and you're treating your child with medical cannabis, please share your story. If your child has been impacted by pharmaceuticals, harmed, please share your story. We can leave you anonymous. We don't have to put your names out there. Please share your story to rep12 at OhioHouse.gov. You don't have to live in Ohio to support Ohio. You don't have to be tied to the spectrum to support science. If you're just a civilian listening and you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. My heart breaks for these families. Send a letter in support and say, I feel strongly convicted that this legislation needs to pass not only in Ohio, but abroad and all across this nation. We need to start, we need to stop looking at autism solely with with your eyes because there's so much that people do not see. We need to start looking at autism with our heart because our eyes just might be missing something. Please, I implore anyone listening to help this bill pass. This is five years of my life, five years in the making. I I really, really need this this to happen. And so do so countless others.
0: Well, listeners out there, I hope you are listening and and you understand the problem uh, that is occurring uh you know we're 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 a, a country uh, that's free and uh there's so many people that that can't get that kind of help that's needed and if if medical marijuana can can help uh as many people as as many young people as possible, we, we we've got to we've got to not only do it in Ohio, but in all the rest of the states in the United States. So if if you out there are listening right now, please please uh, help us help us uh, get it it passed in Ohio and in the rest of of the states. And if you're in a state where there there isn't a passage yet for medical marijuana for autistic uh, children, uh, maybe you want to start an organization yourself and get this thing going. Uh, Tiffany Carwell, uh, I thank you so much for being with us on High Society with Paxton Quigley. And I I wish you good luck in, in legalizing medical marijuana in Ohio for your child and for the other children out there and please please inform us when it happens uh and and I hope this will be the year for you and um and I thank you so much for sharing you're a terrific woman and uh we all have great respect for you thank you very much
1: thank you thank you so much Paxton your time and attention to this issue it means so much because without people like you lending an ear to listen this this movement falls on deaf ears because the more people we reach the bigger this movement builds and the bigger the Ohio movement builds this branches off into other states and if anyone out there is living. In a state and you want information on how to do what i'm doing in your state email me at autismallianceofohio@gmail.com. of Ohio at gmail.com i'll say it again autism alliance at gmail.com. I will be happy to guide you I don't know all the laws in all the states so we'd have to do a little bit of homework because there's different processes for each state but it's possible. Don't give up. And it, it, it's not going to be easy. It's it's going to be a long haul, but it's, it's worth it. And don't be scared. Don't be scared to share your truth. It hurts more holding it in than it does letting it out. And I know it's hard and I know it can be intimidating, but it changes lives. I've had people reach out to me, thanking me for doing what I'm doing because it impacts their life. And, and it's, I'm not just advocating for my my child, I'm advocating for theirs as well. So don't be afraid to be that person. Somebody has to do it. We're literally the voice of the voiceless. And thank you again, Paxton, for having me on. I can't, like I said, I can't thank you enough. Your time and attention to this is amazing. It's so happy to touch base with you again. Gosh, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome.
0: You're welcome a million times over. And I wish you lots of luck. And we hope to have you on very soon with a lot of good news to report. So take care and be well, and th- and thank you again. Thank you. And folks, I hope uh, you, you've you enjoyed uh, today's, I, I can't say enjoyed, but you've listened uh, with your heart to what is going on out there with, with uh, parents whose children have autism and think about the kids that have autism. So, um, Please spread the word. That's all I can say. And folks, tell your friends they can they can listen to this entire broadcast on our website. The website is PaxtonQuigley.com, where you can also find our social media sites as well. And folks, this interview with Tiffany Carwile and all of our shows, they can also be heard on Apple, Audible, Spotify, iHeart, Spreaker, or wherever you, you listen to your podcast as well as to CannabisRadio.com. And also, and this is uh, an aside I should say right now, I'd like to thank all of our listeners who've purchased my latest suspense novel, which is called Just Try Me. It's available on Amazon and paperback or Kindle. And listeners, I want you to stay safe, get vaccinated when your turn comes up, because we can beat this virus if we work together. Thank you. I'm Paxton Quigley.